Well, hello there, and welcome to the Practical Worship Podcast. This is a bonus episode of the podcast. This is not in the normal rhythm of what we do, but I don't think any of us are in a normal rhythm of what we do. We're all scrambling to try to figure out a new normal, and I thought I would take a moment. Today is Sunday, March 22nd, is when I'm recording this, and a lot of us have one, maybe two Sundays under our belt with live streaming and doing church online and just thinking differently with all this coronavirus and COVID-19 and not social distancing and all that kind of stuff. And so I thought I'd take a moment and kind of share some of the things that I have been learning and some of the resources that I've seen, all the things that I've collected, and kind of put it into one place that you can listen to as we're all trying to figure this out together, just to get this in perspective for just a moment. So Wednesday, March 11th, so not last Wednesday, but the Wednesday before that, I'm here in Oklahoma City, and it was here in Oklahoma City where uh, the Thunder basketball team was about to play, and I think it was they were going to play the Utah Jazz, if I remember correctly, and just moments before tip-off, they called the game, and they said, hey, one of the players for the Utah Jazz tested positive for this virus, and we're just going to send everyone home. And I remember being at rehearsal that night, and someone saw that on their phone, and like, hey, they just canceled the Thunder game because of the virus. And we're like, oh, that's so weird. And then we continued on with rehearsal. And then, you know, it was like Thursday and Friday where our staff started kind of having these conversations about, should we have church? Should we not? And you started hearing about other churches that were going to cancel their their in-person gatherings and maybe move to just an online model. We chose at the end of it, uh, on that March 15th service on Sunday, we decided that we were going to have an in-person gathering. We knew that it would be very low attended. We knew that we encouraged people, hey, if you want to stay home, you should stay home. If you are concerned about getting this virus or passing it around, then stay home. And we offered a live stream option, which we had never done before. We have posted our sermons on YouTube after the fact, but have never offered a live streaming. So you could be in person or you could watch it online. We gave people options. And then the next week happened, and here we are just a few days ago, Wednesday, March the 18th, we actually turned our rehearsal into a video recording session of the worship where we worked the songs up and then we threw up a couple of cameras and actually recorded it. And that's what we used as part of our service. But I just remember thinking on that Wednesday, on that March 18th, it's like, guys, you realize just a week ago, we were commenting on the fact that the Thunder game had canceled because of the virus, and we thought that was weird, and a lot can happen in a week. And so here we are. We're not even two weeks in. I mean, I know that this virus has been going on since December and really kind of ramping up. You know, you see what what has happened in China and in Italy and the UK and other places. But as far as like really disrupting the flow here in the United States, we're less than two weeks in. So I think it's pretty remarkable just how quickly things have turned and how all of us are scrambling to become experts in fields that we didn't realize we needed to be experts in. And so I want to take the next couple of minutes in this podcast and just share some of the things that we've learned, the trial and error, because we've succeeded at some things and we have failed at some things. And I know that a lot of us have these stories and I've discovered some great resources along the way. I I wish that I could be creating all this content on YouTube and even just trying to get on Instagram and on my socials and being able to share some of the things that I like to share. I just haven't had time because I'm like you. My primary focus has to be what we are doing as a church. I have to serve there first. But there are some great people that are also making YouTube videos and podcasts and all these other different things that that's their primary focus. And I found a lot of great resources and I want to share all of that. And so here's what we're going to cover in this episode. We're going to talk about how we as a church, Cherokee Hills in the Oklahoma City area, how we approach these last two Sundays, because one of those we still met, but we did a live stream. And then uh, today, which, you know, if you're listening to this, you know, this is going to release on Monday. So for you yesterday, we did a pre-produced 
video that we uploaded to Facebook and to YouTube. That was our worship service. And so kind of share you some of the things that we have learned in that approach. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about doing a live video versus pre-recorded. Uh, I want to share a little bit about how how I'm approaching producing a service online, not just not necessarily the technology. The, I'm going to share some resources on that, but like thinking differently about how we do our services online. And this is coming from someone that is created content for the last several years on YouTube and how creating content online kind of requires a little bit of a different thought process. And so even just what goes into what makes a good video, I want to talk about that. We're going to talk about music licensing and copyright because I see a lot of questions about that right now in different Facebook groups. And then some other ideas on how to use technology to virtually meet, like some of the things our student ministry and our kids ministry are doing right now and even how we handled Sunday school today. Um, There's some really cool things on that. And then I have just collected a whole bunch of resources from different people that um, I'll, I'll link them all in the show notes. And we're just we're just going to say that the show notes, since this isn't really a podcast episode number, this is going to be practicalworshipblog.com slash COVID-19. No dash or anything, just COVID-19. 19 is the numbers not actually spelled out. And so that'll be the show notes. You can go there and find all the resources, but I kind of, at the end, I'll kind of talk through like why I've picked these. So let's go back to Sunday, March 15th. We made the decision to remain open. I know a lot of churches made the decision to cancel and to stream, um, and we went back and forth on that. And at the time, I think, you know, gatherings were, they were just starting to recommend like 250 or less or whatever. And we run about 350 and we thought, you know, We'll encourage people to stay home. We'll offer a live stream option. Um, and I think we saw like maybe a hundred people in our room. Um, but we just what we did is we uh, we had like forty eight hours to literally throw together a live streaming setup. And so we connected an iPhone to a laptop that was running OBS, and there's actually an OBS camera app. Um, They think a lot of it. It's like, I think $30, but it worked fantastic. And you just plug your phone directly into OBS, and you can use that. We brought some audio in from from just our audio desk, from our mix or our board mix, or what we use as a broadcast. And then we did that and got into Facebook Live, and it worked actually pretty good. And we just put the, uh, the camera in the back of the room, and it wasn't... It wasn't ideal because you couldn't see the screens, so you couldn't, you know, you couldn't see the lyrics. Um, you couldn't. If we ran a video, you couldn't see that, and and it was pretty far away. You could. It was like a fly on the wall perspective, but it was better than nothing. But what I did like about it is that you know, for the people that were in the room, the people that were there, they came to worship, and so that energy in the room, even though it was significantly less in terms of numbers. There was a lot of energy in the room, and that translated pretty well to the live stream as far as it just not being kind of clunky. So even though, you know, again, it was it, something is better than nothing, but it wasn't, in hindsight, it wasn't my favorite option. We, you know, we only had 24, 48 hours to pull all this together, um, and, it, and it worked, and we didn't have a lot, a lot of glitching or any, any of that, but um, it was... There is just something about putting a camera in the back of the room and, you know, if you think about it, if you were to engage with a service, if you really were in the room, but you're standing on the back wall, it's a little bit harder to feel like you're a part of it versus if you're on the second row. And so that kind of leads me into how we did things uh, for yesterday for the Sunday service. And I'm just going to say that yesterday, I'm recording this on Sunday, but for you, because of this Doctor Who moment of that it's a different time, I'm just going to say Sunday. What we did for Sunday yesterday is we created a, a service online, and what we did is we pre-produced everything, and then we uploaded that to Facebook and to YouTube. And our approach to this is we just rethought everything. We didn't just do our normal thing and then try to figure out how to do a camera or multiple cameras or all that. The first thing we did is when we recorded our worship, we put everyone in the round. Instead of having everyone on the stage facing a bunch of empty seats, which is the normal perspective, um, one, that's really hard for the band 
to kind of get energy from and to vibe off of it, you know, to, it, that's pretty difficult. And so having everything in the round allowed us to kind of see each other. And so as we were trying to lead worship with a bunch of camera phones, it, it gave us, you know, it helped us, it reminded us that we were not alone. And so, and it also too, the way we set up some of our camera shots is we set up the cameras just a little bit behind the person outside the circle. So you got a little bit of the back of the person directly in front of the camera. And then you obviously were looking at the people on the other side of the circle and you saw their faces and it really kind of helped you give perspective. It really helped you to feel like you were there. And we just set up uh, three different cameras. I used my iPhone. I stole my daughter's iPhone, who by the way, has the nicer camera. She's got one of those iPhone 10 R's and I still have an iPhone 8, and so I still, my daughter has a nicer camera than, or nicer phone than I do. I'm not really sure how that happened, but whatever. Grabbed hers, and then I had a GoPro that I put behind the drummer, and both Final Cut and Adobe Premiere have an option where you can drag all those video files in and create what they call like a multi-cam clip. And you can very easily, almost like you had a switcher right in front of you, you can just go camera one, camera two, camera three, camera one, camera two. And it wasn't very hard to edit at all. And it takes, both both platforms do a great job of this, but you can grab all of those video clips and the audio clips and it'll sync it automatically for you. You don't have to sync it. Uh, you don't have to do a slate or anything. It's just, you know, as long as all the cameras are recording some kind of audio, even if you're not going to use any of it, and we didn't, we just used what came out of our mixer, out of our audio desk. Um, you can, you, that was actually pretty easy to put together. And so we just did that. And instead of doing like four songs, we normally do like a song right out of the gates and you have like a welcome time and then you do three songs. We kept it shorter. I think that when you do things online, you have to think shorter. Like for example, in this experience, you're listening to a podcast, podcast episodes for me are anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour, whereas a typical YouTube video for me is no more than 10 minutes. And it's just the different platforms have different experiences and people expect content to be a certain length. Same thing, if you're in person in a gathering, a 60, 90 minute service is no big deal. When you're watching online, it's 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 different. and. In, in the YouTube world, we explain it this way. There is lean-in experiences, and then there's lean-back experiences. If you're going to watch a movie, if you're going to watch a television show, you turn it on, and then you lay back in your couch. And it takes a significant amount of boredom or disgust or whatever for you to actually change that. Same thing with a podcast. Podcasters know that if we can get you in the first couple of minutes, then that phone goes in your pocket and you sit back, you lean back, and you're most likely going to listen for the entire episode. Uh, online videos are not that way. Every little thing's a distraction, and I've learned that there might be certain words that I say in a YouTube video or if I show something, all of a sudden I can see in my analytics where something just dives down and all these people just leave. And it's because it's a lean-in experience. At any second, I can tap and I can go onto a different video or go into a different place. And never mind, as much as people want to be engaged with your church service, and I, you know, this is kind of a special time, and so people who wouldn't normally do online church are doing online church because it's the only option. But think about all of the distractions, just even if you are trying to focus you've got notifications on your phone and you know there's the chat that's going on and so i would think shorter if you normally do five songs i would do three if you normally do four i would do two or three same thing on the message if you normally do like a 35 minute message do a 20 minute message if you do a 45 minute message do a 30 minute message but think shorter if you pre-produce this thing, I would, or if you, even if you do it live, find a way to make sure that all of your video shots are as close as they possibly can be. I want to see the whites of their eyes. I don't want to see it off in the distance. I want to feel like I am a part of it. And so, like, for example, the message portion of our service that we did, by the way, this is one of the resources that'll be in the show notes. If you go to practicalworshiplog.com slash COVID-19, you can see what we did yesterday also what we did the the week before just to kind of get the two different vantage points. But when our pastor spoke, he's in quarantine. He just came back from Israel right when all this stuff started kind of rearing its ugly head, when like things really disrupted here in the United States. And so he and the rest of the team that came back from Israel 
self-quarantined for 14 days. He's still in the middle of it. And so he did his message from his house and he set up his iPhone and uh, I, I, I told him to get in front of a window because the light that comes in from a window is very flattering. Uh, on the skin. It's a very soft light. And you just turn off all the other lights in the house. Um, I think he had one or two on his mantle that kind of lit that up and that made it nice and pretty. But um, you don't want that yellow glow that normally happens when all your house lights are on. And so turn off all your lights, but have that window and let that that light just hit you in the face. And it's super flattering and very soft. And the thing I liked about this was the shot was a close shot. Like it was just below his neckline. And so when it was up on a television or on your screen, like it was, it was pretty big. It felt like you were right there. The other thing I liked about it was that it was shot in his home. And so there was a kind of a personal touch that happened with all this. The thing with church online is that, and again, it goes back to, you got to think differently is instead of it being this big, huge experience that's happening in a large room, instead you got to put all this, all that to the side and kind of lean into the fact that there's intimacy, there's a rawness that's happening. Like lean into all of that. The fact that it was him preaching in his home and you can see in the background the pictures of his family and, you know, the, the picture that said, you know, home sweet home on his hearth uh, or above his fireplace, like all of that just led into his ability to lead his people as he was preaching. And so it doesn't have to be your pastor preaching and in the normal set. It could be at his desk. It could be maybe in your entryway and setting up a table. But try to find a way where it's a little bit more of a teaching moment. I feel like your your church online experience is going to have a greater impact than if you just try to recreate what you normally do on Sunday. And like we did our worship in the round and we did a full band and we did tracks and all of that. And I think that it worked. Um, you could also really benefit from Maybe instead of your band, maybe it's just you as the worship pastor on your couch um, with some decent mics and and just you know a real close shot of you and your guitar and leading some songs and then add some some lyrics on top of it afterwards in post. But really lean into that intimacy and that rawness. Don't don't feel like it has to be flashy, especially when you see what the large churches are doing. You don't have to mimic that. Here's another great example. Have you watched, have you seen what Jimmy Fallon has been doing lately? So the guy that does, you know, the Tonight Show, he did a show, you know, because again, they were scrambling at the last minute. And, and so they did a show with no studio audience. They tried to do normal with no studio audience. And it was amazingly awkward. Fast forward a couple of days and with the self-quarantine, what they've been doing lately is he's been kind of doing this Jimmy Fallon from the house where his wife is the camera operator and his kids are bouncing around and and the, the kids even design like these, you know, they drew graphics that are like the Tonight Show logo and who's the special guest. I mean, it's the budget on this. It's so low budget, but the cuteness factor and the intimacy and being, you know, feeling like I'm invited into Jimmy Fallon's home. That is what is winning. And then he'll interview a guest through Zoom and or like a FaceTime call. And that is working more than him trying to find a way to do normal with this empty room. And I think we can learn a lot from that. So we produced all of that and we made a file. And then both Facebook and YouTube have a feature which is called Premiere. And you can upload a video and have it, quote, premiere at a certain time. And what it does is it begins to stream that pre-recorded video like it is a live video. So if you've ever done uh, live streaming on YouTube or on Facebook and you see that all the comments that happen, also the fact that if you, let's say you jump into that stream five or ten minutes late, you're going to pick up at the five or 10 minute mark. You're not gonna go to the very beginning. It's not on demand. And so it gives you the benefit of live and the fact that everyone is watching and experiencing the same moment together. That's important. And you also have the chat or the comments where you have this sense of community. And I would really encourage you and your staff that when you're doing these live streams, if you can be present and make sure people know that you're there in the chat, that's where even if, you know, 
you don't have to trick people into thinking that, hey, this is a live video, but it's not. Like, we didn't do that. It was obvious. It was, you know, one part is from our church, and another part is from our hallway, and another part is from Mike, you know, our senior pastor's house. Uh, but we were engaged in the comments, and so that's what made it feel like, hey, we're doing this together. We are together as a church, even if we aren't in the same room together. And so you just, both of them call it premiere. And the beautiful thing is that once the service has been premiered or it, you know, it runs at its time, it's now available on demand immediately for anyone who wants to watch it. Now, what was interesting is that you might have noticed that yesterday that uh, Facebook didn't handle this very well, especially if you were on the East Coast of the United States. You had churches on the West Coast that were doing their early services and churches on the East Coast that were doing some of their later services. And so I, I just don't think that Facebook was able to keep up. And so whether you were live streaming or you were doing a premiere, in both cases, Facebook really had some problems with uh, glitching and broadcast interrupts and all that. And so I I think that for everyone, everyone is trying to figure out the new normal. Everyone is scrambling, Facebook included. And so I know that the church online platform that Life Church has, that crashed uh, considerably, at least. And I'm going to say, I think it was for the people in the East Coast, but I think it's the same system. It just happened to be for the same reason. I think there were people on the East Coast that were doing their services, like their 10 o'clock service or 11 o'clock service. And then you had someone on the West Coast that was doing their eight or nine service and you had all it together. By the time that California and Washington State and all those places on the West Coast were doing their 11 o'clock services, it was like three o'clock in New York City. So the demand kind of went down. But I know that like the church online platform and Facebook, they just, though everyone is scrambling and everyone's trying to figure it out. And I think that every week is going to be a little bit different. And so they'll assess and they'll deal with it. Trust me. I know that Mark Zuckerberg probably doesn't care a whole lot about the gospel. That's an assumption, but he does care a lot, a whole lot about people being on his platform and therefore the ability to serve ads to those people. So Mark wants our church services online, just like the rest of us. He has different maybe motives, and again, I'm guessing, but they're going to figure this out. Same thing with church online. I mean, church, you know, Life Church wants to help the capital C church, and they'll do everything they possibly can to make sure that they are serving the church. So whatever the failure point is, I guarantee you uh, there's meetings going on right this second where they're trying to figure these things out. And every week, it's just, it's going to be a trial and error every single week, as long as next week's service and next week's experience is better than last week's. And we keep doing that week after week after week. This is going to be, it's going to be good. For us, we did discover that YouTube was solid. So we offered both a premiere option on Facebook or YouTube, and people could choose which one. We we went ahead and set the premiere time for the same time, for 1045, which is our normal service. And so the beautiful thing is that we did this so that maybe you had your iPhone and you wanted to watch it on your iPhone, you could do Facebook. If you wanted to pull it up on your Apple TV, it's a little bit easier to go to the YouTube link. Or if you're not on Facebook at all and you just want someone to send me a link and I want to watch it on a web page, well, YouTube's going to be really good for that. So we offered it the two different options just so that there was the convenience for the end user to choose what was best for their situation. It was also nice because when Facebook was glitching, we were able to say, hey, everyone move over here, and we didn't skip a beat. I think something else to keep in mind is that there is a lot of benefit to seeing familiar elements and familiar faces. We have a service opener that we always run at the top of our service, and people probably get annoyed with it or they just tune it out. I mean, if anything, subconsciously they know, hey, the service is getting ready to start and I might like begin the process of coming into the room. I'm not sure that people super care about it, but it is a great way of saying, hey, we're getting started. But for our service yesterday, we made sure to include that service opener because it's something familiar. In a moment right now where everything is kind of turned on its head, we want some normal. We want some familiarity. And so when you see that service opener and you hear the song in it, when you see a worship team and you know those people, there is some familiarity to that. And so the more you can do that, I've seen church services where they just put their entire staff up on the stage. And so, you know, uh, their senior pastor would be preaching and the rest of the staff was on the stage kind of to, I don't know, add 
add some reaction to what was going on so it wasn't just a, a shot of the pastor, but you could actually see other faces and people kind of interacting with it. But So there was that bonus of it. But also the bonus was, hey, I know those people. Those are my pastors. That's the staff at our church. I recognize those faces. There's just something about having a little bit of a sense of normalcy uh, and familiarity that can really win. So the more you can lean into that, the better. By the way, here's a trick on how to get some lyrics on your videos very quickly. We just made a QuickTime video from the output of ProPresenter. We just had our white text on a black background and we didn't change a thing. And we just did, you know, on, on a Mac, you can go QuickTime and you can basically do a screen capture. And I'm sure that PCs have a similar piece of software. But we just made one QuickTime movie and I I played the service back and I just kind of ran it. I had At the end of it, I had one big video file. That's all the lyrics switching at the right time. And then I keyed out the black which means that I, I, you basically erase the black background and keep just the white, and then you can layer on top. Uh, it's what's called a, a, a luma key. Luma meaning that that particular color, not even color, it's like that that shade of black and white. So I just set it for pretty much black. Anything that was black, make it disappear. And I was able to really easily layer that on top of our video that we made in Final Cut Premiere. Adobe Premiere is going to do the same thing. So let's talk about this for a second. What makes a good video? This is something that I think about all the time as a YouTuber. And I think there's a lot of benefit for, for someone that is creating content online and kind of Doing something and creating a video, whether it's live or pre-recorded, is different than doing a live event. And so when it comes to making a good video, like, a, like hey, we want a high-quality video, here are the things that I would consider. And th this is in order of a, a importance. The content has to be good. You can have horrible audio and a horrible camera. I mean, something super shaky, but if it's funny or inspiring or engaging, content is king. And so first and foremost, you want your content to be good. Two, your audio needs to be good. People will forgive bad video way before they will forgive bad audio. If it looks amazing, but it sounds like you're in a tunnel, you're not going to engage people. The inverse is true. If the audio sounds real clean and direct, but the, the video kind of looks questionable, people are going to be way more engaged. And so if you have to choose like to pick your time or your resources, I would spend your time and energy making the audio sound amazing and the video can be so-so and you're still going to have a good quality video. The third is lighting. I haven't even mentioned the, the camera yet. Um, and so if you can light the thing correctly, I mentioned earlier about just setting up your the, the camera on your phone in front of a window and using that to preach to, or if you wanted to like do live worship, uh, windows are amazing. Some of the, there's so many YouTubers out there that have got their start by literally taking the phone on their camera, putting it in the windowsill and making a video. And you can do the same thing. And so lighting is going to be a very big deal. And then the very last thing is camera and camera really doesn't, it doesn't matter. And the camera on your phone, whether it's an Android or an iPhone or whatever, it doesn't matter. What we shot for our service yesterday to the cameras were iPhones. One of them was a GoPro. And they worked out fantastically. Here's another option I just want to throw out here that I've heard people talk about that doesn't that isn't church online. It's a completely different way of doing this. And it's it's what they call uh, a drive-by church or drive-in church, where you use an FM transmitter that broadcasts, you know, you can, you know, connect the sound system with your pastor or your, you know, you with your acoustic guitar or whatever, and, and you send that to a FM transmitter and everyone comes to your church, stays in their cars, in the parking lot, and you just kind of park everyone in a way where they all face a stage or if you can get on the roof of your building and you can all kind of broadcast from there. Um, I have seen people do that with a lot of success. Now, getting your hands on an FM transmitter at this point might be really difficult because so many people have had this idea that if you go on Amazon right now, they're they're probably out of stock. But if you can get your hands on something like this and you don't, if you keep it at a low power, uh, which a lot of these, you know, smaller units, they're, gonna, they're not going to do a lot of wattage. If you keep it at a low power, you don't need a license to do that if it's just enough to like reach I don't know a couple hundred feet or something like that enough to cover your parking lot then you can be you should be good to go
Here's some things that we've learned about doing, like using social media throughout the week. This is going well beyond our Sunday morning because since we can't meet together, um, what we have discovered is that the more we can connect with one another using social media and technology, the better. And so we've actually had Sunday school and we've done some Wednesday night services and some other meetings like, like student ministry leadership teams and stuff like that. We have tried to stay connected with people, but what we've learned is that you need to have shorter touch points more often. So you need to connect with them more often, but if you're used to having a 30-minute message, you probably want to have like a five-minute devotional. Um, Kids ministry, they might have like a five-minute video where you say hi to the kids or talk about a fun craft or one small little thing as opposed to maybe the 30-minute or you know 15-minute message that you might have. I know a lot of people are using Zoom. I know there's Microsoft Teams as well or Facebook Live. You can use all these things to have virtual meetings. I know Zoom seems to be the one that's popular. I saw a video the other day where Zoom right now is the most downloaded app on the App Store. This is bigger than Facebook, bigger than TikTok, bigger than all these others. It's Zoom. And it's because it's a great tool for free. You can have an up to 40 minute meeting. You can't go longer than that without getting like the paid version, but you can have multiple people where they all see each other. They can all comment. You can ask questions. They can engage. And my kids, because I have teenagers, they have loved it. They did Sunday school this morning and that's how they did it. They did it through Zoom and I was sitting there in, the, in my living room and my wife, who's a Sunday school teacher for the, uh, for the youth, and then I've got my three youth youth students, they're all, my wife is in her office, the kids are all in their rooms, and I can all hear them in different places, and they are engaging and they're doing Sunday school. It was absolutely amazing. So that I would look into, but here's another example. Our senior pastor has probably gone live on Facebook from our church account every single day for the last week and a half, and those videos are no more than five or ten minutes apiece, but... Again, shorter touch points more often, I think, is going to win. And so you can still kind of have your, you know, if you normally meet together on a Wednesday night or if you have some kind of meeting, you know, on a Sunday night or whatever, you can still do that and be creative, but I definitely would keep it shorter. Let's talk about music licensing for just a second. I've seen a lot of questions on this in terms of like what is legal as far as being able to stream what about youtube and all the you know what if my band performs it what if i play the youtube video from hillsong so let's talk about this for just a second and here's kind of like a let me start with a basic 101 on copyright copyright has two forms there's the song itself there is which is going to be the lyrics the melody the chords like what the essence of that song so there's that copyright But then there's also the copyright of the actual recording. That's the actual Chris Tomlin or Elevation or Hillsong doing that particular song. And the fact that there's two copyrights, that is going to be really important when you start trying to figure out what you can and can't do down the road. Now, there is a third thing to consider that when you're doing church online is starting to come in play, which is when you get into streaming and when you do video, video actually requires what's called a sync license. And so if you take a song and then you sync video to it, that actually requires special permission. The reason being is that you could sync video to a song and completely change the song's meaning. And there might be songwriters that are not interested in that. And so that's why you have to have a streaming license is because, one, it's a different way that you're broadcasting. But two, you are technically, even though the video is you and your band performing the songs, you are syncing video to a song and that requires a sync license. And so there's three things that are happening. So the long and the short of it is that CCLI has made it ridiculously simple to be able to stream. And they offer a streaming license that I would just I just pick up. I would, that covers you for every song that's in their library and gives you the ability to be able to perform that song and then include that and in all kinds of, you know, whether that be YouTube, Facebook, a podcast, Vimeo, whether it's streamed, whether it is pre recorded and played back later on demand, all of those things 
are covered. Now, a couple of things to keep in mind. One is that does not cover you to actually use the actual recordings. And so if you are a smaller church and you're used to doing um, like playing uh, like a YouTube video, like in your service, and that kind of operates as your worship, you're not going to be able to do that. I have an idea for you here in a, in, in a few minutes. So stick around. I'll share that resource in just a second. But the actual recording is not something that you can put through your stream. Another thing to consider is that your pre-recorded music, if you have music that you normally play before the service starts and that goes through your stream, uh, you can't do that. And most of the streaming platforms are going to detect that and they're going to shut that down. Now, let's talk about YouTube and Facebook for a second. YouTube because I see this question a lot. Hey, I got the streaming license, but how do I tell YouTube that I have this license and that I'm okay? And the answer is there really isn't a way to do this. YouTube has its own music licensing agreements with song publishers you know, all over. And you think about all the people that have made lyric videos or they've done covers of songs you know, that are mainstream or Christian or otherwise that are up there. You know, A long time ago, YouTube had to figure out how to handle all of this content that was being based on other people's songs and all that, just to kind of make sure that music publishers and record labels weren't going to shut them down completely. They had to figure out how to make these original songwriters happy? How do I make the people that are making content happy? And how do I make the consumer of the video happy? And there's three different people that all have to be happy. So the good news is, is that I cannot think of a worship song that the owner of the, the song has not told YouTube, hey, it's okay for someone to perform a cover of this song. People write, I heard Brian Wall say this the other day, People uh, that write these worship songs, they write them with the intention that they want other people to be able to use them in their churches. And so I cannot think of a worship song that YouTube is not going to allow you to perform through their streams because, and again, it's not, YouTube is not the bad guy here. It And it's not even the songwriter. The songwriter is the one that, you know, controls all this because they own the song. But YouTube is just trying to do what the song owner has suggested. Now, I do know of a lot of Christian songs that you can't do the actual recording of them. Hillsong seems to be a little bit more lax on this. Bethel is certainly not. And it's just, it's their prerogative. It's their preference. And so get the streaming license from CCLI. That legally covers you. And then through YouTube and through Facebook and others, if you're just performing the songs, the chances of you getting flagged are going to be really, really low. The other issue is going to be if you use pre-recorded songs or if you're using tracks and you use so much of the master tracks that YouTube detects it as the actual original recording, you might get flagged for that. And so I would just use less tracks. By the way, uh, Multitracks just came out a few days ago. I'm going to link this in the show notes. They just came out and said, you legally are not able to use tracks and stream those. Like on a normal day, just because you buy the tracks doesn't mean you can stream those. They are, they've been working uh, with all their partners because again, songwriter runs this. It's not multi-tracks fault. It's not YouTube's fault. They're just trying to do what the songwriters and the song owners are asking of them. What the, you know, they're trying to respect their wishes, but they've been working with all these, these song publishers and these record labels to offer some kind of a license that would allow you to stream your tracks. Well, then all this COVID-19 stuff starts happening and they kind of had an emergency meeting and said, hey, look, while we're in the midst of this craziness, can we just can we just drop this for just a moment? And everyone said, yes, we believe in the Capital C Church. Tell you what, you guys stream away for a time. You can do it for free. Don't need to do anything different. So for the moment, you can stream your tracks. Uh, if you have the master file tracks, you can stream those and, and you illegally can do that. Now, at some point, I think multi-tracks, when, when the dust settles, they're going to have to come back and maybe retract that or offer something that you actually pay for. But I would imagine it'd be, you know, if you're already used to paying licenses with CCLI, it's, it's not going to be anything obscene. All right, let's talk about some resources. There has been a lot of people that have created videos and podcasts and just different things that I have seen all over the internet. And the, the truth of the matter is, is I would love to be right in the middle of creating content and sharing all these different things on, on YouTube and on Instagram. And I just, I'm like you, I just don't have the time. I am scrambling just to make Sunday happen. But there's some great people out there like Brian Wall and Jake Goslin and MXU that 
I mean, these people are their primary responsibility with their organizations and with their businesses is to resource people like us with these kinds of tools. And they are cranking out some amazing content. And so I found a lot of things. I'm going to tell you about them. They're also in the show notes. Go to practicalworshipblog.com slash COVID-19 and you're going to find it. I've included the first two links for uh, the, our first goes at doing church online. The first one being the live stream and the second one being our first go at doing a pre-produced church online. Now, I think there's a lot of things about our, our first go at church online that I liked. I think that the sound sounded really, really good. And that's because we we built a broadcast mix a long time ago. And I have some YouTube videos on that that you can check out. Those are in the in the show notes. Some of the things that I didn't like is you'll notice that camera one shakes like crazy. The one that's on me uh, because it was really close to the drums and that vibration. And we put it on blankets and we tried everything we could. And I put a stabilizer on there and it still shakes a little bit. By the time that you get to switching all the cameras and you add the text on it, it kind of distracts your eye a little bit, but it's there and it drives me crazy. The lighting uh, on some, some, some people are lit really well and other people are not. And you'll notice the lighting of our pastor when he did the message. I told him to stand in front of a window. Well, he stood in front of a window at five o'clock while the sun was going down. And so um, as you watch it, you'll notice this sunlight, this like, you know, where it just blows out the camera, you start to creep in on his shirt and go up on his face. Now he's a pro and he kind of he slowly kind of inches away from it, and he he works his magic, and he never mentions anything about it. Again, he's a pro, and he made it work, but we decided it was better to go with it, with the weird lighting, than it was to to redo it. Again, I think that the authenticity wins over the polish, and so it doesn't mean that that it just looks horrendous. You know, I think you work as hard as you can to make it the best that it can, but lean into this authentic moments and the fact that it was him in his house preaching to his people just based on the comments that I saw uh, in the chat, both on Facebook and on YouTube, and just comments I've seen on Facebook since the service happened, just, you know, throughout the afternoon on Sunday, I just saw so many people that were encouraged by that and, and people like, I needed that. I needed to be with my church family. Even though I can't be there in person, we are together and there's that sense of community. People needed that. And so that one over, well, I had a camera shake or, you know, we had this weird sunlight coming in. And so, as I mentioned, I have a couple of videos. And, uh, so I have a YouTube playlist on, you know, how we created our broadcast audio mix. Again, audio trumps lighting, which trumps camera. If you can get your audio sounding amazing, then you are like 75% of the way there. I also uh, have done a couple of videos on copyright law and licensing and how all that works for worship and for uh, songs that we use. And so I have a playlist linked on there. Uh, Life Church has their uh, church online platform. It didn't do super well today, but I definitely think that it's something they're going to work on, and so I wouldn't write it off. Uh, but this is the platform that they use for their church online, and so it gives you the ability to set up different service times and to be able to stream a pre-recorded video from different places. But it also uh, has its own special chat feature and even a way to like click a button and get prayer and be able to set up certain pastors where they can have like a one-on-one -on -one chat with people. It's an amazing platform. Uh, it's worked really, really well for Life Church. It's what they use, but they also offer that for any church that wants to free of charge. And so I would look into that. Uh, church Front and uh, Jake Goslin over there has made a couple of videos that I really like. One of them is a video that he gives three options of churches as far as like how to have a church online service. And what I really like about this video is that the first two options require zero dollars and they really target that smaller church. The first option being kind of creating a web page that is kind of the liturgy of your service. And so let's say you're in a really small church and you can't create, you don't have a band per se that can uh, that can do these worship songs. Well, if you make a web page and then you embed the videos of the songs you want from you know the original artists, you can do that. And then you just kind of work your way down the page and have a moment where maybe there's a video that's embedded that's your welcome. And then there's another video that's embedded that is your message. And people just on their, on their own time work their way down. If that's all you got, that's a really good option. And so 
That's one of his ideas. That video I'm going to link. Also, he did a um, a tour of his streaming setup because Jake is a part of a, a mobile church and they meet in, I think it's a high school gym. Well, obviously they can't meet there. And so they turned the church front office and studio into the streaming center of their church. And he, Jake's so good about really diving into like what technology he's using and how to use it and where to get it, how to get it all set up. He's really good at that. And so he gives a tour of that space and I'm sure he's going to have videos to come that are in line with this. So if you are not aware of Churchfront, go find them uh, on YouTube. You can go to churchfront.com and and get connected to all the things that they're doing. Uh, MXU is uh, a fantastic resource It originally started as a place for people that mix audio in the church. They just recently got into doing lighting as well. But I specifically want to talk about, there's a couple of YouTube videos that they made that they released that are specifically targeted to broadcast audio and some tricks of the trade from some guys that know a thing or two. Uh, about this uh, that you can learn from as far as like how to make your broadcast audio sound really, really good. And then they also just released a podcast episode where they talk with the production guys at Bayside Church in Northern California. That is where Lincoln Brewster is the worship pastor at. And so they talk with several of those guys about how they scrambled and how they even rethought how they did church. So not only the technology side of what they did for all of their campuses, but how they even changed, they flipped the paradigm, they flipped the script, and they did church differently. That conversation is fantastic. And so just go to where wherever you're listening to this podcast, search for MXU, and check out that latest episode. I think it's called uh, Coronas Were Better with Lime. Find that episode. It is fantastic. Brian Wall over at Worship Tutorials just did a video on his thoughts on live streaming. Again, this is a guy that is a YouTuber that has done over 100 videos of play-alongs of various worship songs and uploaded them to YouTube. And so from a, how do I light this? How do I make it sound good? How do I switch cameras? What gear do I need? What about music licensing? It's about a 20-minute video where he goes through his experience as a YouTuber, and that video is fantastic. Also need to give a shout out to uh, Brady Shear over at Pro Church Tools. This is a guy that has been kind of the social media guru for the church. And he's been saying for a long time that your approach to social media should be, if our churches didn't meet on Sunday, what would you post on your social media? And at the time, he was saying it from the standpoint of, hey, stop promoting your events. Don't use it as a bulletin board. You need to engage with your people. I don't think it ever really occurred to him that we would be in the position that we are right now where, guess what? Our churches can't meet on Sunday. So guess what? Now social becomes this really important thing where we engage with the community of our church. I would encourage you to check out his uh, website. His company has some great resources, specifically when it comes to like website building for churches and also for online giving. Plus, the content that he has on YouTube is gold. And finally, I want to give a shout out to my friends, uh, Chris Garish and all them over at Stream Monkey. Uh, that is a company that offers live streaming services. I know that Church on the Move up in Tulsa, along with Transformation Church out of Tulsa and Harvest in Southern California and Seacoast and some of these others, and a lot of smaller churches as well. Um, this is the platform that they are using for live streaming their services in the first 14 days are for free. And so you can maybe, depending on how long we're all in this boat, you can try that for free before you start actually shelling out some money. Uh, But I checked in with him and all their stuff ran flawlessly on Sunday morning. And they do a really, really good job. And they have people that on Saturday night and on Sunday are constantly monitoring all the metrics and available to answer questions so that when like you're actually, when it's, when it's game time and you are using this stuff, they're available. And so I'll put a link to their website as well. But Stream Monkey is a really, there's a lot of great platforms out there, but I know that that one is rock solid and it even stood the test of time yesterday when some of the other platforms like Facebook and others didn't quite fare so well. And the very last thing that I want to say has nothing to do with church online, has nothing to do with technology or any of the other things. I want to talk about the big picture for just literally a minute. One, we're in a day and age where I feel like we have people's attention. I've been saying this all week. Everything that we've been having to do with scrambling and 
getting church online, all that stuff set up and live streaming is equal parts frustrating and exciting. It's frustrating because we are having to do things from scratch. All of our normals are thrown out the window and we're having to rebuild how we do church from scratch in a very short amount of time. But the other side of it is that there's a lot of people out there that are very anxious and they're scared and they have fear. If there's ever a time that they're going to pay attention to what those in the local church are doing, it's now. And think about Sunday morning and how people just flipping through Facebook that normally don't go to church, how many church services they saw and the chances of them actually clicking on one of those and paying attention, that probability is really, really high. And so there's a lot of frustrating things about the situation that we're in, but there's also some exciting opportunities that come with it. And I think it it comes down to we have people's attention. And so let's lean into that. And the last thing on this big picture thing that I want to say is I can't help but think that part of the reason why God is allowing this all to happen is that he, his intention is that we just need to rest. I know that we're scrambling trying to get these things set up and all that, and there's not a lot of rest in that. But, you know, I'm used to leading three different bands for three different services. Well, now I'm leading one band for an online service, and it was kind of nice on Saturday night to know that it was done. There was still a little fear in the back of my mind. Is this going to work the way I think it is? Is it going to launch? Is it going to do what I need it to do? But, you know, I haven't slept in on a Sunday morning, and I don't know how long. It's been years. And if I can be completely transparent and honest, I've needed a break. I've needed a moment. I've been, and I thought it would come in the form of I was working with my team to kind of create a vacation mode where we were, I was building into some leaders that we would eventually sometime this year get to a point where I could leave for a Sunday and they could take care of things and they would do an excellent job and they'd be set up to win and my family could go somewhere else. But, you know, I've had several conversations with God where I was like, I really just need a break. I just, just a short one. I need a Sunday morning where I don't have to get up to a super early call time and feel that pressure of making Sunday happen. I just need a moment. And this is a really unusual way for him to answer that prayer, but I don't think I'm alone in people that have prayed that. And so take this moment to rest. If you're stuck in your homes, use this time to study the Bible, to pray more, to be with your family, to, I don't know, spend time on the things that we know matter the most that probably get the least amount of our time, if we're honest. Take this time. It is a gift. Rest. This has been the Practical Worship Podcast. It's been kind of an unusual one, but hopefully it's been helpful to you. And do the very best job that you can. And just know that we're all scrambling. We're all trying to do the very best with the resources that we have. And I think God is going to honor that. And if someone hasn't told you this today, you're doing an amazing job. Keep at it. Wash your hands, you can catch it back.